continue this series. This is going to be an interesting series. Um, I'm sure a little bit about with you, with you today, a little bit about Daniel again, as we've been doing. And last week, you got to hear a great message from Pastor Steve Holsinger, right? Were you here last week? You guys enjoy that, right? Give him a hand, right? Fantastic. I saw part of it. I mean, I, I watched the message, and, and uh, I, I thought it was fantastic, very challenging. But you know what? You ought to have some resolve in your life, right? Because it's no joke. I think that people, too many times we think, uh, Christianity, it's funny when you're here, when you're surrounded by people who say they're Christians and live in a town where everybody's a Christian, you know, and everybody's saved and all that kind of stuff, you forget there's a whole world out there that that's not the way it is. I just came from a country that you would think Israel, um, how many would say that probably 50% of the people in Israel are probably Christians? Raise your hand if you think that. Raise your hand. How many think maybe 75%? Yeah, okay, let me go lower. How many say 25%? Okay, a little more. Let me say 15%. Okay, it's... Two percent. The place in where Christ was born, the place where his name was pronounced by angels, the place where God put his presence in a temple, two percent or less. And even when you talk to people there, if you're talking evangelical, it's less than two percent. Not everybody is like you. And when you get into other regions like that, you realize, yeah, man, this Christianity thing isn't just a Cool thing to do in Rome, Georgia. I'm going to be a Christian. You're going to be different. You're going to have to have some resolve about you. So Daniel, this is all about Daniel and how he had to have this resolve and how he walked as, as an individual. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 6. I'm going to read. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to stand to your feet if you can. If you can't, if you have a reason why you can't stand, then stay seated. Everybody else will stand up. And this is why I'm going to do this, okay? Because I want you to pay attention. <clears throat> usually, I, I'm not assuming anything here because usually, here's what... Preachers, when we preach messages, we, we assume everyone has read and knows the story. Not always the case. So I'm going to read the story of you about Daniel and the lion's den. Oh, I already know that story. I bet you don't. I bet you think you do, but I bet you don't. So I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to talk about it. So pay attention. We'll put it on the screen for you as well, but listen to the words of Daniel. I'll read it out of the New Living Translation. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now your majesty issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Don't have time to get into all this. Wish I did. But King Darius signed the law. All of the region. It would have been modern day Europe, Iraq, northern Africa. Massive amount of land. And once he signed this decree, you could not revoke what you had signed. It was a law. There was no Congress to change it. So the king signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, watch this, he knelt down as, everybody say it, Mm -hmm. in his upstairs room with his windows open, (laughs) you know, didn't hide it. And you wonder where religious, other religions get their ideas from, they get it from the Bible. It says this, he says he opened up the windows there and towards Jerusalem and he prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house, and they found him praying and asking for God's help. Notice they, they spied out on him. And verse 12 says, So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, 
will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, he had became an out of the land of Judah. He was, an Israel, he was a Jewish man who had been taught about God. He knew about God, and now he had been taught about Babylonian history and culture. And so he says, this God, that Daniel, is ignoring you in your law. He still praised his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled because he liked Daniel. And he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. And he spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. But he couldn't. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. It'd be like throwing your best friend into the den of lions because of something you signed that you were tricked. You, You had no choice. It says then, the king gave orders for this to happen. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and he spent the night fasting and he refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all. No Netflix, no, no cake, no ice cream, whatever, nothing. He spent the night fasting. And very early the next morning, the king got up and he hurried out to the den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue from the lions? And Daniel answered, long live the king. <laughs> it's not the kind of thing you expect to hear from a, you know, joker threw you in the lions, man. But long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in this sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den, and not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. And then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. This is bad juju, man. I mean, you've got to be careful what you do because this guy, these guys, he had them arrested, had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their kids. I mean, this is the culture of the day. So, more of the story, daddies. Your decisions affects more than just you. You might be, your kids may be paying a price for something you initiate, you know. No weight, no pressure there, but just think about it. It says, the lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they ever hit the floor of the den. Now watch this, verse 25. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race, nation, and language throughout the world. This would have been the majority of the region of the known world would have gotten this notice. Watch this. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. All because one guy decided to stand up and just do what he was doing. So you can take your seat there where you are. Now, you may have heard the story before, but I want to talk to you a little bit about Daniel and the idea as to why this really matters to us today. I used to think and have this idea that, oh, man, we ought to, and I still believe, I'm going to reach people, I want to reach people for Christ and reach out, and yes, absolutely, all that kind of thing. But you know what's funny? When I was over in Israel, you know the, the unique thing about Israel is it's not so big. The country's not big. The people aren't that big. And yet God, in their smallness, if you will, 
chose them to do great miraculous things. It's oftentimes we think that, you know, the bigger we are, the better we can be. And it's, it's true in some ways. But God oftentimes will use the little things to really show out his great power and glory. Think about David and Goliath. Who was the bigger cat in that fight? It was Goliath. But God showed up and showed out. Israel coming out of Egypt. Who was the mighty force there? It was Egypt. But who won the day? It was Israel through God's power. He, he does this all the time. And so the reason he chose Israel, a scripture we came across as we were over there, you read these things so many times and just forget. I didn't choose you because you were such a great and mighty power. I didn't choose you because you're just a great and mighty people. I chose you because I loved you. Deuteronomy. So Daniel's here, and here's Daniel. He's not the, the majority in the group. He doesn't have the greatest voting block, if you will, in the precinct. He doesn't get to pass what he wants to get passed. Not everything is closed on Sunday for him. I mean, he's, you know, he's not working at Chick-fil-A. You get what I'm saying, right? He's not, it's not the way it works for him. He's the, he's the minority in such, a, in such a huge way that everybody else there is against him. And the reason they're against him is because Daniel had something that I think all of us need to have in life, and that is something called an excellent spirit. Listen to what the Bible says about Daniel 6.3. It says, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. This guy was going to put him over everything. Sounds like what they did with Joseph. And Daniel was one of three administrators over all the regions, all the provinces. Other people were under him. All the other governors, officials, etc., etc., they're all under him. He was one of three top officials. It would be the equivalent secretary of state, vice president. You know, those kind of secretary of defense, those three top areas in the cabinet of the presidency. This is one of his roles. And these guys didn't like Daniel, watch this, because he had an excellent spirit. Something to be said about Christians, that we should have an excellent spirit. But if you do have one, some people's not going to like it. Daniel had, well, what is an excellent spirit? And let's, let's look at this real quick. Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. It says the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling governmental affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Watch this. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, watch this, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. A lot of times, you know, we think that, well, if I just love Jesus, everything's just going to be all right. And there's some, you know, okay, interesting theology about all that, but we're not going to get all that today. Here's a thought that I want you to think about these guys, and Daniel with his excellent spirit, that he did the right thing, and yet people hated him for it. Like, you understand, he didn't cheat anybody. He wasn't like Zacchaeus. Who climbed up in this little tree? A wee little man, a wee little man was he. You know, he didn't, it wasn't like Zacchaeus. This guy was Daniel. He, he did things right. He didn't cheat anybody. He didn't steal from anybody. He didn't do any of that stuff. He, he was above reproach. And yet, they picked him out over the other two administrators. Well, why they picked him? There were two others they could have picked off. Why him? Because of his faith. So Daniel's here, he has this excellent spirit, and they say about him, he's number one, he's faithful. 
Real quick, just simple, simple little teaching on this, real quick. Faithful. You want an excellent spirit? I think all of us should have this. And I'm not saying I have it all of it together. I'm just saying that these are things that are in an excellent spirit. Number one is a faithful person. Faithfulness. Being faithful on the job, being faithful where you work, being faithful to your family, being faithful to your friends, being just flat out faithful. Jesus says this, if you're not faithful in that which is small or little things, God will not make you a ruler over what? Greater things. If you want a promotion, be faithful over what you got. If you want more money, be faithful with what you got. If you want a better job, be faithful. Well, I hate my job. That's probably why you can't get another one. I mean, I remember so many times, like, looking back at my life and hearing those words over and over again by a preacher when I was in Tulsa and hearing all this stuff and thinking, okay, be faithful in the small things, but no one sees the small things, do they? No one sees what you do behind the scenes, but God does. The things that you, what you do in secret, your Father will reward you, what? Openly, in your prayers, in your giving. You can't ever forget this. Be faithful. Be faithful. The next thing he says, he was trustworthy, or he was resp- responsible. Boy, responsibility. Boy, we ought to stick that on some cars and some bumper stickers, right? Responsibility. It's a new word in our household. We're using it. It's called personal responsibility. Per- and my kids hate it when I talk about it, too. My middle is like, I was like, baby girl, what is that called? Personal responsibility. That's right. What does that mean? That means your mother is not the maid. I got a few. Come on, I got a few mamas in the house. Like, thank you, Jesus. I just, I just came to church, preach it, Pastor. Would you? I'll, I'll, I will just for a few moments here. Mama's not the maid. She's not responsible for picking up your dirty drawers. The, the best that could happen is the fact that she would wash them for you. That ought to be enough that she has to put those things in the washing machine. But she shouldn't have to get out everything for you. She shouldn't have to go get your towels for you. Should she have to clean up after you? No, because it's called personal responsibility. This is what Daniel had. Daniel had personal responsibility. I'll tell you something else, guys. Like, I'm not bragging by any means because she helps me a lot, a lot. But I don't ask her to go... And clean out all my stuff for me either. Every now and then I might ask her to help me with some things like that. But I don't expect her. She's not my maid either. I mean, fellas, we ought to come home and do the very best we can to do to help her in everything she needs as well. The culture thinks somehow or that women, I mean, you're strong, ladies. You're strong. I get it. You're strong. It, it, the Bible says basically you're, you're just a little bit weaker physically than men. And if it weren't for that, you'd take over the whole world pretty much, basically. That, that'd be it. But physically, that's, that's the only real difference. We should work together. Make it the best. I clean dishes sometimes. I don't like cleaning dishes. It's gross. It's disgusting. But I do it sometimes. Sometimes I wash clothes. I vacuum, whatever. She, I just had the vacuum fixed because we wore the thing out vacuuming and stuff, you know. Look, we, we work together. Personal responsibility. That's Daniel had that. And the last one he says is he's trustworthy. Completely trustworthy. Briefly, if, if people called on you, it should be enough where we could just simply say without having to do it, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth is helping me, God. Without having to put a hand on the Bible, they ought to look at us and say they're trustworthy. Trustworthy. 
These don't hide things. I'm not going to say their name, but we've got one of our team members. I'm so proud of them. Just on something that happened, a piece of equipment got broken or something or another. I don't know what happened to it. Who knows? It's tech stuff. But they owned it. Just said, hey, I did this, I did that. It happened. So proud of them. You know why? Because they said, I did it. You know how easy it is to hide stuff like that? Really, do you know? You know how easy it is to hide? You ever come across a in your house and you look over there and there's something, maybe you don't have kids, you might not experience this, maybe you did it as a kid. I know I did it. But you know, if you break something, a glass, a figurine, something at your great-grandmother's house, <laughs> you just kind of like piece it back together and tiptoe away. Get out of the room, get out of the house, and no one knows. So that the next person who bumps the table, it Oh, wow, wow. What happened there? Oh, I was outside. It wasn't me, you know. You're totally blaming on somebody else, right? Honesty goes a lot further than what people realize. You know what? Nothing, nobody likes to hear when things go wrong, but be honest about it. Be trustworthy. Don't hide the bad. Give it all, right? You know what I'm saying? It's easy because everybody knows we're not all that great. No one's talking about, oh, man, is this good, this is good, this is good. Well, there's got to be something not good. Can everything be great, right? Well, this isn't so good. Okay. Be honest. Be trustworthy. That was what Daniel had, and this was his excellent spirit that he had. And because of this, he was picked out. You realize that you can take just those three things right there that I gave you, those three things, and you can have a very successful life. You could take the book of Proverbs, never profess Christianity. You could never say one word about being a Christian. You could be a Christian. Take the book of Proverbs, and you'll have a successful life. The, it, it, there's enough meat in the book of Proverbs to set your family in order, to set your finances in order, set your life in order. It, it'll help you. And never say one word about Jesus. Daniel didn't do that. He was successful But he also prayed, and it was publicly known. He didn't hide the fact that he was a Christian. I'm just telling you this because in our culture today that you live in, it is no longer the case where as a Christian, you get a pass. Now, there's a lot of people that say, I love God. You know what I'm talking about, right? Everybody says they love God. You hear it all the time to get on TV. I don't see how someone can make an album that uses MF, F, 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 M, F, 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 M, F. It says, I'm just going to give it up to God for helping me. I don't see how an athlete can have domestic violence on his ticket and then talk about how much he loves God. I don't, I mean, is this okay? I'm just, I'm just saying. Because these are people we look at and we worship. We say, oh, oh I'm sorry, we don't worship. We don't, we don't worship them, but we do, we don't idolize them. We, we just, um, right? I mean, come on, they're on. I don't see how actors and actresses can say and do the things they do on film and then come out and say, I love God. I just don't understand that. I don't get a pass on that. I mean, what if I did that? What if I dropped MFFFF, MFFF right here on a Sunday morning service? Would you give me a pass? Thank you very much. And I shouldn't get a pass because there's a lot of people that says I love God. Pastor Steve talked about it last week, who talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. There's a difference. When you walk the walk, 
you might get persecuted for what you believe. And that's what happened to Daniel. Now, I'm going to sound like I'm going to contradict myself from a few weeks ago, but I'm not. We, we believe, our church, one hope for every heart. Our door is open to everybody, everybody. I don't care. This is a place for healing, a place for help. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what sin you're in. I don't, it does not matter to me. Those doors are open for everybody. Don't turn away anybody. Unless it's some kind of, you know, you create a problem and, you know, you create some kind of abusive thing going on. Some, you know, some kind of conflict like that. I mean, we'll, shut, we'll have to turn you away. I mean, you can't be hurting people. But I'm not going to turn my doors closed to anyone. Now, so that, that being said, it's going to sound like I'm contradicting, but I'm not. But you live in a culture today where if people can't find fault with you, they will find fault with your religion. What do bakers, chicken restaurants, craft stores, and Tim Tebow all have in common? They're Christians. Do you realize, and I'm going to just briefly, I'm not picking, I'm just saying. In California, there's hundreds of bakers. And one says, against my religion, my religious objection is this. Think about Daniel. I can't do this because it goes against my faith. But here's 20 more that will. But what does the culture do? They go after the one. Because why? Because of their faith. A chicken restaurant, a guy, the president just gets up and says, I just believe marriage is between a man and a woman. Pretty much is all the man says. And boycotts line the restaurants over a chicken restaurant. Because of why? It's faith. Tim Debo gets blasted for bowing his knee and praying. They make fun, ridicule the guy. In my opinion, he's 50% better than half the quarterbacks in the league can't get a job. I mean, just look at it. your team, maybe a lose team. At this point, I'm thinking maybe he can come help us out, you know. I'm just saying. Why? It's obvious. How do you lead a team, a backup guy jumps into with the Broncos, leads them to a, a, to a, to a, to a you know, whatever they're in the AFC, and I don't know which one they're in, but their championship, their league, their champion leads them to it, and then you hear nothing else from him. Am I making excuses? No, I'm just telling you, if you stand for something, you might have to stand. They're, they're going to go after your religion. Not everybody, but some. I mean, a hobby store, a craft store, they make, they sell stuff from China. It's just fancy, fast, and inexpensive crafts. That's all it is. There's nothing special about the Hobby Lobby. I mean, I make stuff. I can tell you right now, it's not real wood, okay? It's pressed stuff. It ain't top quality, okay? Sorry, it looks good for a season, but it won't last forever, all right? But they have a crafts. And because they choose to say, we object religiously against two or three birth control pills that we feel affect the fetus or baby, a mother's reproductive system, whatever it was they decide. But they agreed to the rest of them. I have to go through the Supreme Court to get a ruling. Why? Because of what? Their 
faith. That's the only thing that these folks have in common. And they're not going after, it's not the people. They're not going after their stores. They're not going after the people. They're going after your faith. To intimidate, and I'm not saying people are doing it. I'm saying the enemy does this. He may use people to do this, but, but th- his whole idea is to get you to back down. If we pass this law that says you can no longer worship on Sunday, I bet you anything. You mark my words, they ever do it. This church, I bet you anything. Y'all be here, but I bet there'll be a group that won't. Because they're intimidated. Let me tell you how I know. Because if you can't stand up to your friends when they say a racist joke, how will you stand up to a government when it says that you can't pray? I know it got real. I got five minutes and I'll be done. Just, just saying. I was in Israel when this came out that the congresswoman who made these anti-Semitic comments about Jews. I don't know if you heard about this. Now, I'm not party, uh, whatever you call it, specific here, okay? I'm a pretty neutral guy. But I got to give it up to the Speaker of the House who condemned the lady in her own party. See, a lot of people won't do that. A lot of people say, well, I don't like her. I don't like Nancy Pelosi. I, I didn't say I was best friends with her. I'm just saying the fact that someone would actually stand up in her own party today and say, that's not right for the Jewish people, I got to give her credit because it gives me great hope that, you know what? Wow. Could be worse. Could have been like it was in Hitler's Germany where people didn't say anything. And they let it go, let it go, let it go until it got to their doorstep and it was too late because they wouldn't say anything. But the culture around you wants to say, you can't pray to your God. In the case of Daniel, using as an illustration, these things are off limits for you now. So what is it from? It's the enemy. He's just coming to steal from you your faith. You know, the parable of the, the sower, I'm not going to read all this to you, but in Mark chapter 4, he talks about this. The sower sows the word. These are the, the, these are the seeds that's laid by the wayside, the footpath, the stony ground, good ground, all the different grounds that was, the seed was sown. The Bible says this, there are those that hear the word immediately. Like I said, right now, some of you right now, Satan just stole the word. Everything I just said today, he's already stolen it from you. I hate to tell you that, but that's the truth. I ain't pulling any punches with you today. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's some in the room right now, the enemy has already stolen everything that you heard today from God's word. He's already stolen it from you. How do you like that? That ought to make you mad. Others in this room, you're going to hear it. You're going to be happy. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, what's up? I like that word. I like that word. You can eat some coffee on the way out the door. As soon as you get in your car, you're going to forget everything that was said. He's going to steal the word from you. Others of you in this room, you're going to hear the word, and you're like, okay, I like it. It's good. I think I'll, I'll practice it until the worries of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, or other things creep in, choke out the word, and it doesn't have any fruit in your life. That's what have, Some of the rest of you are going to have that happen to you. There's going to be another group of you in here. They're going to hear, receive, and actually do and apply it to your life, and it's going to bear much fruit. Hopefully that's everybody. But I'm not going to be foolish enough to think that it is. The enemy, he's out to steal your faith. And how he does it in a culture like ours is, he slowly says, that's unimportant. You know what? Don't worry about the whole marriage thing. It doesn't matter. And I'm not picking a fight. Our door's open to everybody. 
But if you're going to ask me the question, I'm not, I can't marry. Man and woman, the body is clear. As are every other uh, sexual relationships that are in the body. They're all clear. There's nothing confusing about this. So I'm not contradicting my statement. I just want you to hear me. This is where you have to stand. If you're going to believe the Bible, you can't pick and choose parts you like and don't like. You can't say one day, I love Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, say amen until somebody gets up and starts talking about living with conviction. Why are you just being judgmental? You're just immature. Right? I mean, come on, right? See, here's a good point right here. If you're, you know, if you won't make people think you're mature, even if you're not, you should say, amen. Just fool them all, man. Just mess with them all. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what the thief comes to do. This is the number one job. <clears throat> the number one job he has, steal, kill, destroy. Jesus says, I come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So I'm going to leave this up on the, um, I want you to see something right here. The thief comes. Jesus says this about the thief. Anything that anyone that comes up over the top of a fence or doesn't come by any other way except through the gate is a thief and a robber. The thief comes. That's plural. In other words, he comes. He's coming and going, constantly trying to steal. He's looking for opportunities to steal from you right now the word of God. He looks to steal from you your relationships with your family. He tells you stuff like, your wife hates your guts. She thinks you're an idiot. You're a loser. Her mama said you was, and now look, you really are. That's what he says. He tells you ladies things like this. Your husband's an idiot. Your mama told you he was an idiot. Now look at him. He's an idiot. And so he's playing both sides of the fence trying to steal your marriage. That's what he does. He's trying to steal your kids from you. He's trying to steal your life from you. He's trying to, anything he can take, he's trying to steal He's trying to kill whatever he can. He's trying to destroy from you all the time. The thief comes every single day. This is what he's doing. He's coming and going every day. And you can't be foolish enough to think he's not. But watch what Jesus did. It's so precious about Scripture. Jesus doesn't come and go. He said, I came. Say He didn't go, I came, that you might have life, and life more abundantly. In other words, I'm here right now to give you life. He says this in John 6, I am the true bread of life that, watch this, I came down from heaven. Didn't just come down and check you out and leave. I came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate manna, but will live forever. Jesus came. And when we sing songs like he's the way, the truth, and the life, the reason we're singing this is to remember this, that Jesus is the way. Don't let the culture make you believe that your way is wrong just because we're the minority, just because we're the weird ones now. I mean, you know, really, oh, you're so traditional. That's the word now. It used to be that you had convictions. Now, oh, you're just traditional. Now, it's not traditional. It's It's biblical. There's nothing traditional about it. I don't do this because of tradition. I hate traditions. I'm not a religious person, okay? I say words from the pulpit that I probably shouldn't say. I know. I'm not religious. But I do believe the Bible. And when the Bible says something to me, I have no choice but to listen to what it says. My faith requires me 
to adhere to that. Whether I get it right or not, doesn't matter. This is what the Word says. So today, while we're here in this comfortable environment that you feel so comfortable and not challenged at all in, I'm sure, can I ask you a question? A real, real question for everyone in this room. If this is just another Sunday for you, if this is just one more Sunday to check off, to say it's just one more Sunday, you're probably not going to be bothered by anything I just mentioned. Not anything. But if it's not just a traditional Sunday, and you actually believe the Bible, then I promise you this, how you stand will determine what they say about you. It's true. And so this morning, I'm going to ask our worship team to come up to the platform. And I want to challenge you with this about the excellent spirit that we're supposed to have. See, because here's the thing you can have. You can succeed as a Christian. You can have this excellent spirit, and it will pay you back big time. I promise you there's not an employer out there who says, I wish I had a lazy-spirited person working for me. I wish I had some loser that never comes into work for me. Oh, I just love to have them. They make my day. Oh, I wish I had these complaining types. They're just wonderful. They ain't an employer, Christian or not. Working for the chicken house, for the craft house, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Everybody wants an excellent spirit working for them. And you get that, it'll bless your socks off. But you can have that and never get challenged if your windows are never opened up. As long as those windows are staying closed, then guess what? I hate to tell you this, but no one's ever going to know you're praying. And I'm not talking about getting out on the street corner with a bullhorn and start praying and showing everybody you could pray. That ain't going to make it, that's not going to work out real well either. But you know what I'm saying? When it comes time to it, and the next time the joke is said and it's racist and you know it, and you sit there and you let them say it, and you kind of just go <laughs> and chuckle it, instead of saying, you know what? I can't, I can't hear that. My God, do you have any idea how insensitive that is? I cannot hear it anymore. Well, that's going to cost me a friendship. Well, maybe it costs you a friendship. But you know what? You might find you gain a whole new group of friends that will love for you to support the fact that you understand that ain't cool. What about the next time that someone says something and they sit there and just gossip about someone that you know that you is a friend of yours? And instead of standing up and saying, well, just, well, you know, I mean, yeah, they're kind of like that. You said, you know what? I love you, but what you're saying ain't cool. Why don't you go talk to them about that? Why are you saying it in front of all of us? Well, they're going to get angry at me. They might do that. But that's called opening up your window. That's called stand up now. All of a sudden, you can't hide the fact that you're, re you're really a Christian. You're really doing something now that's requiring some, somebody's going to say something about you. As long as the window's closed, no one's ever going to say anything. So right now, I want you to close your eyes. And as we go before God, Father, in Jesus' name, I come before you today. And Lord, as we live in a world that Daniel lived in today, God, I don't see much difference in him at all. There's not hardly any difference at all today, Lord, in Babylon, in America. 
We have a lot of great things here, but God, we have a lot of things that are not well. God, there's so many things that could be done right, done better. I'm praying, though, right now, Lord, that every one of us in this room, Lord, the Christians in here, God, may we be found with an excellent spirit. May we have our windows wide open in Jesus' name. May we have our windows wide open and that people, when they see us pray or live for you or do what we need to do for you, God, may we be counted worthy of the gospel. And I just thank you for that. I pray, Lord, right now, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, they don't know you, they don't know who you are, they've never prayed this prayer, I'm praying right now they turn to you while all eyes are closed. No one's looking right now, just for a moment. You're here and you say, hey, Pastor Jody, I need to accept Jesus as my Savior. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Everyone in this church is going to pray out loud with you right now. Say this. Say, dear Jesus, I come before you and I give you my life. I give you my heart and I make you my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, change me. Give me an excellent spirit. Give me the boldness to stand in a world of compromise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you, right, church? Would you give him a hand right now, please?